This podcast from Teacher is supported by the University of Melbourne's Graduate School of Education. Study at a university that recognises the unique ability of educators to impact future generations. Hello, and thanks for downloading this podcast from Teacher Magazine. I'm Dominique Russell. In this special episode, I'm delighted to be joined by the two recipients of this year's Prime Minister's Prizes for Excellence in Science Teaching. Sarah Finney, a grade three and four classroom teacher at Stirling East Primary School in South Australia, was named winner for primary school teaching. And Dr. Samantha Moyle from Brighton Secondary School, also in South Australia, was named winner for secondary teaching. Both educators are remarkably dedicated to harnessing curiosity about science in their students and providing them with authentic, real-world learning experiences. We'll hear from Samantha Moyle later on in this episode, but first we'll speak to Sarah Finney about her approach to science teaching. Let's jump in. I believe that children are born scientists. Um, and that it's my job to harness their curiosity and help them to um, understand science through engaging in their, or experimenting and engaging in their own interests. So I begin with what they love to do, um, and I start on their their own interests. I tell stories also of scientists who've made mistakes, whose mistakes have become important to mankind, and I use this to encourage a growth mindset, um, which is the idea that it's okay to make mistakes and this is how we learn. And so I'm sure as well the huge science inquiry unit that you've developed, it's such a big part of that. So for our listeners, could you explain what exactly this is and why you implemented it? Sure. Um, So I've been interested in students following their own investigations for some time now um, because the research shows that students maintain more information if they learn through the inquiry method. It all came about because our group of year three and four teachers were put together for the first time and, um, you know, we knew that often the early years and the senior years are celebrated in schools and the middle years kind of sometimes miss out a little bit. So my PLC was interested in establishing a middle years identity Um, and when I suggested I lead the children through the scientific inquiry process, my colleagues hopped on board and they understood that science is my passion and it kind of sprang for there. I begin by asking students about their interests, which is an excellent way to begin the year. So I do it at the start of the school year. Um, And I encourage them to ask questions about whatever it is that they've identified as their interest. Um, Then I give them an explicit lesson about what makes a scientific question. And um, we review their lists to see if any of the questions that they've written are scientific questions or whether they can adapt them to become scientific questions. Um, Then I teach about variables and what a variable is and uh, all the different types of variables. And um, we do this through something from the primary connections um, units of work, um, which they suggest to use a dress-up race. Um, And you step the children through through that procedure and they quickly learn what a variable is and why it's important that um, everything has to be kept the same except for the independent variable that you change. Um, so following on from that, um, we I step the children through a simple experiment to familiarise them with the different parts of the scientific method. 
uh, and so that we can practice talking about variables. And once they've got their own scientific question, um, they gather their data in their own time. So I rely a lot on goodwill of parents, I guess, um, to help them uh, gather data. So parents might be timing how quickly their bikes go on different surfaces or the parents might be involved in taking them to the park so that they can bowl cricket balls versus tennis balls to see the difference in spin or whatever it is that they're investigating. They gather their data um, and I, they bring it back to school where I teach them explicitly how to represent and interpret their data. Um, we're lucky because we've got one-to-one -one iPads, so we use Google Sheets there. Um, but following this um, data analysis, they learn how to write conclusions, and then we share our work with real scientists who I invite to offer feedback on their learning. And um, the children find it very exciting, especially the pro um, when the process is repeated for them when they're in year four, and they can see huge growth in their understanding and in their successes. And so you mentioned just there that it's a great way to start the year off. How long does this inquiry unit bring you to? Where does it finish in the year? So um, the inquiry unit finishes at a really good time, actually, just in time for the children to enter the Oliphant Science Awards with their inquiries, which is roughly halfway through the year. It's a really long process because generally it takes a long time for the children to identify what it is that they want to investigate. So we're talking, you know, six weeks or so there. Um, and, yeah, it's lengthy, but I really do think the children grow and and learn from it and um, are excited by the results. And so something um, that I'm really excited to talk about now is how you've mentioned that your school really brings together old and new technologies. So could you explain what that means? I've um, co-begun a primary science teachers of South Australia professional learning community that runs in the southern suburbs of South Australia. Um, with um, a few other teachers and we lend resources to each other and share ideas to engage the students. Um, I find that really useful. Um, one of the things that came from that was the idea for National Science Week that you could uh, open up an Oreo cookie and scrape away its cream to make a picture of various stages of the moon because the moon um, was the focus of National Science Week. And so I took that idea and got my children to do it. But because we had our iPads, I said, well, we can now make stop motion animation of the whole experience and just add to it and make it more alive for the children. So that's one thing we can do. Um, we also have engaged in a designer zoo enclosure activity after we visited the Adelaide Zoo. Um, we used an app called CoSpaces, which has a virtual reality component. And students made choices about what to um, and how to build their enclosure based on animal needs, keeper needs and public needs. They were also able to record um, a virtual tour of the enclosure and as the viewer walked around the tour, they could hear the children explain all of their scientific decisions. Um, one other thing that I've modified was something that I um, got when I went to the National Science Teachers Association Convention in Darwin this year. Um, and I went to a workshop all about National Science Week and there was an activity using Freddo frogs, which I thought, excellent, my children will love that. It's based on chocolate. Um, and the, the task was that children were to design a heat shield for their Freddo frogs 
because it was supposed to emulate the fact that astronaut suits um, have to experience um, huge differentials of temperature, but also because the command module of the Saturn V needed a heat shield for re-entry. So they took that task, but because we had the iPads, the students could video the task, and they've made... Um, I've I've added other parts to it. So the children um, watched the ABC special on the moon landing that had Julia Zamiro and Brian Cox in it. And they looked at how students training to be astronauts have to um, undergo tasks using altered sensory perception. And so I asked the children to design some altered sensory um, perception environments where they could open a Freddo frog. So they had the opening the Freddo frog, they had the melting the Freddo frog, but then we used um, we used bicarb soda and vinegar rockets and we strapped Freddo frogs to them and the children have tested what rocket fuel is best, whether a um, Alka-Seltzer tablet or whether bicarb soda and um, paste is better to combine with vinegar to shoot them up in the air. Um, they're recording video of this and they're making a narrative of the astronauts whole space experience which just adds um, a whole different um, experience to the to their learning because they're able to articulate a lot better what's happening um, orally and to tell that story orally um, is for a lot of students much better than writing it all down in a standard scientific report, which they've already learnt how to master in Term 1 and Term 2 through their inquiry projects. And a lot of my learning has come from the STEMX program that um, I would very much, very strongly um, state that it's been my best ever professional development and probably will be my best ever professional development I've ever attended. Um, It runs for five days in Canberra in the January holidays Um, and it is competitive entry but um, it's run in conjunction with CSIRO, ANU, Questacon and the Australian Science Teachers Association. So the training that you get is top class. What's, What's also fantastic about it is they take 35 primary and 35 secondary teachers. It's a close group Um, and then following on from the whole experience um, there's a Facebook page which has been like lifeblood. Every day I I check it and chat with people and it's um, a great resource to put out there. I'm going to do this. What advice have you got? Or, um, you know, where can I get this information from? Because you know that some of the best teachers in Australia are there who can help you easily. Um, one great thing that came from it was that while we were at the STEMX program, we visited Mount Stromlo Observatory um, and astrophysicist Dr. Brad Tucker was there, and um, some people might know him from Sunrise. He's often on Sunrise talking about new space exploration and space news. Um, but so he took us he took us through a talk, um, and following that, I invited him to come to our school. He visited quite a few of the STEMX people's schools, and he brought with him PhD students. One of the things we did at Questacom was we. Um, learned how to do a Rube Goldberg machine with a whole class of children. And for those of you who don't know, the Rube Goldberg machine is a kind of a perpetual motion domino express marble run gone wild. Um, but we, we did that. I devoted a whole 
a whole week to that at the end of the term. The children had to earn money to buy components of it. Um, and when I say money, I mean virtual money that um, you can... You, there's actually a website where you can give children virtual money and there's a whole mathematics program that goes with it. Um, it's called Banker, for those of you out there. It's free. Um, I don't know who who I'm promoting there, but it's, um, it's free. Um, and so... Children earned banker bucks for doing, you know, the right things in the classroom and spent them on components of this Rube Goldberg machine. Brad Tucker visited the school and his two physics PhD students came to help my children to solve some of their problems with their Rube Goldberg machines. But not only that, he spoke to um, the senior part of the school and then he gave a stargazing night um, to the local community for free and he also bought two telescopes which he left at my school which we're hoping to get out next week to do another stargazing evening. This STEMX program has led to just unimaginable doors being opened and it's something that if you are a science teacher and you are passionate about science teaching and you want to get better and you want to share your love for science, you should really consider applying for Coming up, we speak to Dr Samantha Moyle from Brighton Secondary School about how she's improving science education at her school. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. You're listening to a podcast from Teacher Magazine, supported by the University of Melbourne's Graduate School of Education. Whether you are looking to transform your classroom or influence education policy, our education courses for professionals will open your mind to the latest thinking and give you practical skills to implement. You'll graduate with the knowledge to enable thousands of students to reach their potential. Brighton Secondary School, um, we're a public school in South Australia where we run at about 1,700 students. Uh, So it's quite a large school. We've got sort of 120-odd staff, including um, teachers and support staff. Um, We we do try and and go for a really integrated approach, a a very immersive approach to science. Uh, There's a a lot of emphasis on -on, hands-on, practical-based work and really developing those inquiry-based mindsets. So especially in ThinkBright, which is the the program that I lead, we work very very connectedly across the different curricular areas so that we can create um, uh, units of work that span across the the curricular areas and and show the students more relevance to what they're learning and and that those different subjects and and even the different um, disciplines of science, they're all connected. They don't operate in silos. Being a secondary school teacher yourself, having so many kids coming from such different backgrounds with in terms of their primary school education and their preconceived ideas of science, how do you go towards engaging them? Well, certainly, yeah, we do have such a diversity of students that are interested in science. Some are very clear on, on that they want to pursue science uh, in the future and others uh, are not so interested. It's so the approach is probably very two-tiered, um, really connecting with the students, building rapport so that you can be reactive to their particular interests is, is really important. Um, if we can find those personal interests or, or like perhaps pop culture, so if there's a movie and I'm thinking Iron Man off the top of my head, but something that, that we can connect with and then build into the, the science or look at the curriculum and find out where the curriculum would connect with, with that, um, that dual interest. I have a, a student who's very into vampires and so we had a very interesting discussion of, <laughs> about vampires and, and um the feasibility of, of the different things that you get in the books. And so I was re- really able to connect with him, and especially because he's quite a reserved student. It's taken, taken a little while to get him to um, 
to trust these teachers, I guess. And, and so having that, um, that opportunity to, to talk to them and to, to build a relationship and find out what it is that they, they're really passionate about, that really helps because then you can build that into the, um, into the course that you're teaching. Yeah. And I'm interested as well in um, the National Science Week activity that you had going. Yeah, the digestive system. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds incredible. But what I found really interesting was the fact that you invited the primary school down to take a look at it. And so is that something that you're into doing as well, like really getting the whole community invested and having yeah, those I, relationships? I loved that activity. That was fabulous. The um the year eights across the, the whole cohort, um, they worked on that and, and each we had um, 10 classes working, we had two classes working on a different aspect of, of each area of the digestive system. So one group took the mouth and the teeth and the tongue and um, another group took the esophagus and another group took the, um, the stomach. And so it was really exciting and, and it, um, it meant it wasn't just learning about the digestive system. Those students were then learning about how they would model it. They were working to a budget. They were connecting with the community because they were going to, um, we have the party shop 24-7 just down the road, and so they were talking to them about sponsorship in terms of balloons because they wanted the, the long, thin modeling balloons to um, to model the villi of the intestines. And, and then they had the challenge of how are they going to put those on the wall, and, and they, they problem-solved it amongst themselves and decided that they would hang um, tennis court nets across the walls and then tie the balloons to that. So it was really that, that connection to higher order thinking and problem solving. So it was that very STEM-based approach and, and being able to connect with the primary schools and, and have them come and visit and, and um, public come and visit. It was really exciting, um, especially with the quirky end because the, um, the large intestine group decided they'd put whoopee cushions under the carpet as you exited. So <laughs> there was a little quirky quirky end to it so but it was it was fun and, and they learned things and we had little interactive um, aspects of that um, of that journey uh, so that people were learning about peristalsis um, by squeezing tennis balls through uh, stockings and we had a inclined bench and, and people were trying to drink sort of lying with their heads uh, down as opposed to up and the fact that they could still swallow so therefore illustrating the, the concepts of peristalsis uh, the students made little uh, little models of the different gases in the large intestine and, and the rectum. And so it was, yeah, it was quirky and it was fun and, and the kids really enjoyed it. They said that they, they learned a lot more. They had to think a lot more about what it was that they were trying to show because they were then teaching others, the, the primary school students and the other students who, um, the year nines and the higher levels that came through as well. Uh, it's that, that nice opportunity to connect with um, connect with the community do you have any other examples of how you've created these real-world activities in quite a budget-friendly way? Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. So I, um, uh, we just recently with the Year 10 students did a forensics unit and we just had a, a mannequin uh, for our uniforms lying around, so we used that and, and just made um, fake blood out of um, gelatin and red food colouring and that, that was great too because then the blood as it cooled, it coagulated so it gave it that sort of real world aspect and, and that wasn't expensive at all and the students had this very immersive experience. They all got dressed up in, in lab coats and were forensics teams and so they engaged as, as different aspects of the forensics teams, essentially characters and all had different roles in, in processing that crime scene but it was a very inexpensive thing and, and the students loved it. The, um, I've actually done some, some research in terms of their engagement across the different domains with that and across 
all the domains they they engage very strongly. So they really enjoyed that sort of immersive real world and and interactive activity. I guess for me, my passion is very much, um, I mean, we say STEM uh, and that can tend to put people off who, who don't sort of operate in that science, technology, math sort of space, that engineering space. But for me, STEM is very much that, that integrated learning because we all need to be um, literate and need to be able to communicate and, and use, uh, use our numeracy to be able to convey ideas and, and really strengthen an argument. So um, there's... There's a strong emphasis on integration, not just um, amongst different subjects, but also within science because, uh, you know, physics and biology and chemistry, they don't stand alone. They all inform each other. And, and the example I like to use is that, um, uh, like, we talk about the wavelength of light and, and how that goes along, and then uh, the students understand how, how that wave um, moves through space, but then we talk about um, the eye and how the eye perceives that and and then we can talk about colours and go into the psychology of that. So there's all that really nice interconnected model. And, and we, we tend very much to think of, of our sciences in terms of separate silos. It's biology, it's chemistry, it's geology, it's psychology, it's physics. Uh, but they are very connected and they inform each other. And, and math is very much at the core of all of that. And, and the English sort of overarches that as well because we need to be able to communicate that. To be an effective um, scientist, we have to communicate our findings. So... Um, my passion is integration of subjects and, and STEM, but in non-traditional sort of STEM formats. So there's a big focus on robotics. And, and uh, so the F1 in schools program we run here, which is very successful. Um, but I, I like sort of quirky, quirky STEM opportunities like the digestive system. So, yeah, I'd really encourage teachers to, to look at opportunities to connect with other areas, but to also make those connections for their students across Um, the different disciplines of science. That's all for this episode. To access the full transcript of this podcast, head to teachermagazine.com.au. And if you'd like to listen to more from Teacher, you'll find us by searching Teacher ACER on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or Spotify. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the channel by clicking on the purple subscribe button on Apple, the green follow button on Spotify, or the orange follow button on SoundCloud. By subscribing, you ensure that new podcasts land in your feed as soon as they're available. You'll also get a notification straight to your device to make sure you never miss an episode. You've been listening to a podcast from Teacher, supported by the University of Melbourne's Graduate School of Education. Choose to study at a university committed to solving the educational challenges of our time.